0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of J.M. Rewind. J.M. Rewind gives us a chance to check out some of the recent interviews and guests that took place uh, during J.M. in the A.M. We'll start with Dr. David Ross-Marin. He is the director of the Center for Anxiety and had some interesting tips and suggestions to keep in mind as the holiday of Pesach fast approaches. Dr. David Ross-Marin Center for Anxiety on this edition of JM Rewind here at the Malcolm Siegel Network. Well, our friends at the Center for Anxiety, and you know they have uh, multiple locations, Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, West 57th Street in Manhattan, Route 59 up in Rockland County, where I would guess they were pummeled with snow yesterday with the reports we're getting from Rockland, and Boston, Massachusetts as well. Anyway, the Center for Anxiety in Brooklyn has announced that this coming Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. at 3692 Bedford Avenue, uh, they will have an interactive workshop discussing social anxiety, the nature of social anxiety, why it's best treated with cognitive behavioral therapy, components of social anxiety treatment, assessment, theoretical models, exposure, and cognitive work, how social anxiety can impede functioning, and how social anxiety can lead to other mental health concerns as well. Center for Anxiety Information is at 1-888-837-7473, 888-837-7473. Uh, Email, or I should say, uh, web address, centerforanxiety.org, centerforanxiety.org. Again, that event is Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, 6.30 p.m., at their center on Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. The gentleman who leads the Center for Anxiety is, of course, Dr. David Ross-Marin, who's been a guest of ours before. And this is a very interesting time of year to speak to an expert regarding anxiety. Dr. Ross-Marin, welcome back to JM and the AM.
1: For having me during the height of anxiety season,
0: <laughs> so you can confirm what everybody believes that once Purim ends and the anticipation for Pesach is in the air, it is in fact the most anxious time of the Jewish year.
1: In the Jewish world, there is no question; our phone calls definitely go up this time of year. <laughs> it is not a mess. <laughs> I'll
0: tell you, unbelievable. Uh, plus, and now, and now we get to add all the other anxiety out there, whether it be the snowstorms and uh, people who are uh, dealing with downed trees and power lines—not to make light of it; these are serious situations. It only adds to the whole anxiety of the season. You know, I got I, here's how I'm going to start with you this morning. I need, okay. you, I need you to explain to me a phenomenon that you might or might not be familiar with. Do you okay. know? Do you know? And this is obviously, you know, just a small sampling. I can't speak for the entire country. But do you know that there is a significant number of people in Israel who stay home for Pesach, but vacation for the week before Pesach? Meaning they literally come back to their home. Let's say, for example, this year on Thursday, do bedikas chametz and have the seder the next night. And and this and from what I am told, this is a common practice in communities in Israel, that people take days off, especially this year, between Shabbos HaGadol and Pesach, they prepare to the house beforehand, and, and they come back, you know, 24 hours before the Seder. Now, I, I I have one question to ask you. Why is it that in these circles that I'm familiar with, Pesach preparations are going on at their height during the last week and most anxious on that Wednesday thursday and friday yet in israel it seems they could take a little vacation during that time
1: right so yeah i am familiar with the phenomenon part of it is economics by the way because uh, there's you know there's great discounts for for Pesach holiday um and especially for for local israelis but that's primarily what i was going to talk about um today is that Pesach does not have to be anxiety filled and in fact the the, the reason the reason why we're getting lots of calls is because we can provide people with solutions, and you do not have to have an anxiety-filled Pesach. It doesn't have to be Passover; does not have to be that way. And in Israel, there are many communities that have figured it out and mastered it, until the point that they can actually go on vacation the week before Passover and really go into go into the umtiff, go into the holiday. Um, relax and enjoy
0: it. Well, I know that uh, you know we can't be privy to everything. We're not we're not uh, clients of yours, but could you give us a couple of a couple of tips, a couple of uh, skills that we might want to implement so not only Pesach wouldn't be so anxious, but frankly, the period of time before Pesach, the pre-Pesach time, won't be so anxious.
1: Well, firstly, many of your listeners are patients, and secondly, <laughs> <laughs> secondly, I'm very happy to share whatever. Now, I want to distinguish first between stress and anxiety. Mm. To have a stress-free up is hard. That's difficult because stress, all stress means is that somebody's resources are being tapped by a demand. All it means is that you have a certain set of resources, primarily to our time and money, and those tend to get more tapped during the a holiday, during the prep season, notwithstanding, <coughs> oh, sorry about the background noise, notwithstanding, okay. um, uh, 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 snowstorms and, and other uh, school closures and other uh, stressors that were happening in this specific time of year. Right. But, um, so, so in terms of having a stress-free that that's hard because you're going to have some resources which are going to be tapped. But anxiety is more than that. Anxiety is really never necessary for a human being to have because anxiety is when a person is uh, experiencing a fear response when they don't need to even though it's, it's not really, uh, there's really nothing to be afraid of, nothing to be anxious or upset about, but the person is getting um, jazzed up. That is anxiety.
0: I, I, I don't know why I can't see the distinction, frankly. But, <laughs> uh, well,
1: <laughs> but that's, that's something we should talk about off the air. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but when it comes to payoff, I'll give you three main ideas. Number one is that there's a lot less preparation that is necessary in terms of cleaning um, than, than typically people think. Right. A lot, a lot of
0: people have trouble reconciling that. A lot of people have trouble dealing with that, but you're right.
1: Right. Now, there's a concept of Chumris Pesach, of people taking on stringencies during this time of year. Right. And that's wonderful and beautiful, but those aren't... That, that's an, A, that's not the Icker halacha. that's not the main point of the laws, legal responsibilities of the holiday, and a person needs to know exactly what it is that they have to do, and what is going to be more than that. Sometimes people don't, they don't, you know, there's this concept, 30 days before the Chag, 30 days before the holiday, shlokim right. Yom before Kodama right? Right, right? We're supposed to be learning about the laws of Passover. Well, this is why, is because we have to learn what we do have to do, and mostly what we don't have to do. Right. Um, I'll, I'll give you one example that comes up a lot in our office. People spend forever cleaning bedrooms, cleaning living rooms, cleaning basements, and eight, 90% of the work really that's required by the halacha in terms of cleaning, by, the, by Jewish law, in terms of cleaning a house for Passover, is in the kitchen. Right. And the rest of the house is important, but there's bittl, and then there's bedikas um, there's hametz, and then there's, there are other halacha parameters which are in place in order to get us out of owning hummets. The major issue is eating hummocks. Right, That's pretty stringent. It is.
0: Yeah. I'm not telling and, someone not to clean their couch, but if God forbid and, there's hummets in your couch, there are other guidelines that take care of that. You don't actually, own, you don't actually own it on Pesach.
1: Correct. I, I, I wouldn't tell them. Right, correct. That's exactly, that's exactly what I'm saying, is that there are ways out of that. But when it comes to the kitchen, that's, that is a job. And it's probably a one- to three-day job, depending on the size of the kitchen right. and, the, and, the, um, and the state of the kitchen. And that is a, that is a stress, but it shouldn't, be an, it shouldn't be something that causes anxiety. There are three days between uh, Purim and Passover in order to be able to clean one's kitchen.
0: Dr. David Russmarin is with us, Center for Anxiety, of course, talking about Pesach. What else this time of year? So, number one... People have to put things in perspective. They have to they have to isolate the the most important things and deal with them, and don't let the ancillary stuff pile on, because otherwise that will cause a lot more stress.
1: Correct. That is definitely number one.
0: Okay. What else do you got for
1: us? Number two is relationships. Now, often spouses have different perspectives on what requ- what is required in terms of the Passover holidays. Sometimes um, a husband will have more strict. Sometimes a wife will have more to do. And more often than not, the two are not on the same page. And if 30 days before the holiday we have to be studying the laws of Passover, then at least 60 or 90 days we have to be speaking to our spouses about what are their expectations and what are their expectations of their family members. Sometimes grandparents come or right. parents come. Right. Or kids. sometimes you have kids who have become more observant, and they have certain standards. Well, it's important in advance... Um, to, to, to clarify what are people's expectations so that way that doesn't become um, a source of, uh, of anxiety. And that can be, in our, in our family-centric culture of Orthodox Judaism in particular, that can become a very significant source of anxiety and stress. Correct. So have those discussions in advance. You know, what do you expect? This is what I'm planning. This is the caterer I'm planning on using. This is how I costured my kitchen. You don't want your in-laws or your... Um, kids or or parents coming in two days before Passover, the day of Pesach, and then they're saying, oh, you didn't use a blowtorch? Uh, That's that's the last thing that a person (laughs) needs going going into the office. And that has happened multiple times that, that people have called our office and you know, they they're really not they're really not prepared for it.
0: Ill advised to criticize the hostess on your way into the Passover holiday. Better to keep your mouth shut.
1: Yeah, it's also better to work it out in advance. If you have certain right. expectations of your host, then then talk about it. Talk about it well in advance. Give them advance notice. And if you haven't, then then like you said, you know, bite bite your tongue and right. enjoy the holiday to the extent you
0: can. Understood. All right, what's number
1: three? Those are two. Um, third one is to validate, to know that it's a stressful time. Now, it's, it's going to cost money, it's a holiday, it's an expensive holiday, those two or three days of cleaning are going to set you back, it's going to be extra stuff. And take, it's not the time to take on extra projects. A lot of people use it for spring cleaning, the classic example where all of a sudden they're reorganizing their attic or their basement.
0: <laughs> or the drapes.
1: Or, yeah, or, re- or redecorating. You know? <laughs> Listen, sometimes people, I've heard of people who paint their house for Passover in honor of the holiday. <laughs> oh,
2: That's, gosh.
1: You know, it I mean, that can be a nice thing in certain sense, but it, you know, it might not be the right time unless you really have it down pat. Right. If you have it down pat, then by all means, change your drapes. Do whatever you want. If you're a Jedi Knight of Passover, <laughs> then you can go fancy and you can go away even the week beforehand, like you mentioned. Those are the Jedi. Those are the Jedi's of the Passover world. But for the mortals like us, and it's even harder in the United States, I'll add, because we don't have a culture that really slows down on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Um, things in Israel are slower. Oh, that's um, a
0: good point. That's a good point. The Acharei Achagim thing really starts already a couple of weeks before Pesach. You're right.
1: It does. Shivas are off. Right. It is, it is money for, for you know? There's definitely definitely things start to slow in our right, culture. Right. My
0: my staff will be lucky if they're off Thursday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. And then and then also there's certain specifics. We see a lot of people who come into our office because they're involved in accounting. And the accountants have it terrible because right. the country. You know, we know when tax season. is. This year it's a little bit better. Right. But yeah, in be- years. I think a couple years ago, it was literally Eretz Pesach. Right. It was the day. <laughs> yeah. and It's a common field for, for, for women to go into who often bear the brunt of Passover cleaning. So right. we, that year, I think we have three or four referrals just from the from female accounting community.
0: Dr. David Ross-Marin, he leads the Center for Anxiety. They're in Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn. They're on West 57th Street of Manhattan, Route 59 up in Rockland. They're in Boston, Massachusetts, and I remind you, that the Center for Anxiety presents this coming Tuesday night an interactive workshop discussing social anxiety. It happens at the Center on Bedford Avenue, 3692 Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Starts at 6 30 p.m. this coming Tuesday. Information at 1 888 837 7473. 888 837 7473. And centerforanxiety.org. Center for Anxiety. Dot org. Doctor Ross marin I got to wrap up with the most important statement that I'm sure you agree with this, and yeah. that and that is after all the preparation, after all the wondering about whether we're going to meet the deadline and whether we're going to be able to you know to handle all of this and get to Friday night Seder night, you know, in in the shape that the family and the ha- and the house needs to be in. One thing you can guarantee because you see this every year, when it comes to Seder night, by the time we say Kadesh. Everything will be prepared and ready.
1: That's well put. <laughs> Very well put. And people have to keep that in mind, right? They sure do. Um, not to mention also the meaning behind it. That, you know It's a special time of year, and it is, a time, it's a, it is a holiday, and time to enjoy it. So I'll just to echo what you're saying.
0: Greatly appreciate your time. Your tips are uh, much appreciated, I can tell you that much. And any information about Tuesday's event and anything having to do with the Center for Anxiety, we will direct people to your website. And phone number. Thank you so much, Doctor Ross Marin.
1: Thank
0: you. Have a chag kasher v'sameach. Chag kasher v'sameach, or as some are makbid to say, chag sameach the kasher, because the joy should come first, even before the kashrus stringencies of Passover. That was my conversation with Doctor David Ross of the Center for Anxiety. Uh, a great thrill for us this past Thursday to speak with Pat Boone, the legendary film. And um, a film star and singer uh, is heading to Israel during the month of May for a wonderful 70th anniversary celebration at the Caesarea Amphitheater. It is a production in honor of Israel's 70th that will be shown on broadcast channels around the United States. Pat Boone, uh, during a recent visit by telephone to a live lunch with us here at the Malcolm Siegel Network, live lunch Thursday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, well, we're counting down to Israel 70. Israel 70 celebration is 41 days away on the uh, Jewish calendar, and we are counting down, of course. And uh, one of the other people uh, who is counting down to Israel 70 is the legendary Pat Boone. We've been talking about the uh, fact that Pat Boone would join us during this live lunch, and sure enough, He is the living legend who holds the uh, number one ranking of all time for two billboard charts in the years immediately prior to the British invasion. Only one performer rivaled the chart dominance of Elvis Presley, and that was Pat Boone. Pat is the uh, number 10 all-time top recording artist with over 45 million records sold. He will present a -a once-in-a-lifetime television event special, the 70th anniversary of Israel concert. And television special presented by Pat Boone and Friends. The event will be taped at the Caesarea Amphitheater, which we know very well, on May the 13th. And he'll be joined by the Jerusalem Symphony Orchestra, many celebrities, political dignitaries, and more. We're going to play this for a moment and then introduce our special guest here at the Live Lunch.
3: This
4: brave, this ancient love. To me And when
2: the morning sun reveals the hills and plains,
0: then I see the land where children can run free. For those of us who grew up, With this song having so much meaning and this song being so important to us, the theme from Exodus with the words, this land is mine, may I point out that those words were penned, composed by the legendary Pat Boone. For that alone, I owe him a debt of gratitude. Pat, a pleasure to welcome you to the Malcolm Siegel (laughs) Network.
4: Thank you, Malcolm. This is uh, quite a welcome. I appreciate it.
0: I mean, uh, the, that that song is legendary, and you can imagine, you know, Jewish kid growing up with tremendous connections to the state of Israel, how important a song that was uh, to, to my entire generation. You know, um, it's 70 years. As we said, we're counting down. I know you're counting down. It's 70 years. Do you remember that day? Do you remember how significant a historic day that was back in 1948?
4: I really don't, Malcolm, because uh, I was born in 1934, so that was that means I was about uh, fourteen years old and even though I was steeped in the realization, because my family, my dad a building contractor, and mom a registered nurse, but very practical professions, but our church attendance, our reading the Bible sometimes in family devotionals and all, was just as practical a part of our lives as their businesses and and uh we knew that the whole Bible that we respected so much and and were building our lives on was written from beginning to end by Jews, about Jews, and for Jews, and that we Gentiles could get in on it only through our acceptance of the Jewish Messiah, as we <clears throat> believe that Jesus was. And, and so <clears throat> we identified totally with everything uh, concerning Israel, but but, you know, when you're 13 or 14, you may not be aware of, of world happenings. Right. And I don't, honestly, I don't remember the media taking enough interest in this situation. I know it was a matter of great discussion and controversy at the White House at the time. I mean, I've learned that since, when right. Harry Truman was being beseeched by all everybody around him, all of his advisors, not to uh, support this this maverick State of israel instead to uh, to side with the Arab uh, forces and and, uh, and and organizations and states because to to recognize Israel in their midst would be uh, counterproductive to what they thought american interests were but truman and i 've learned this since he had his his old haberdashery partner yep. <laughs> who came in to see him, and they they closed the door in the Oval Office, and his old buddy, um, uh, I've uh, forgotten his name yeah, for the I'll, moment.
0: I'll look it up, but I know who you mean, right?
4: Yeah, and he they sat there for an hour, and he, he reminded Truman of what they, they must have talked about in the years they were together in their store in Kansas City that uh, that God's hand was on the Jewish people. Yeah, it was, purposes. It was Eddie Jacobson. That's who. It is. Eddie, Eddie Jacobson. Right. That's it. Right. And when the door opened at the Oval Office, Truman said, "The U.S. is siding right. with Israel. We recognize the new state." Well, Pat,
0: well, I, Pat, I guess you'd agree. After a, 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 the, the career you've had, it's not it's not what you know; it's who you know, right?
4: <laughs> well, that has a lot to do with it, of course. And of course, when I when I agree to that, the who I know is the God of the Bible. Right and uh and you know i i know that sounds you know to some people super religious to me it's not right. i got to yeah. i, I got to ask you in the intro you
0: mentioned about the devotion that you and your family had uh the, the recognition the, the jewish bible et cetera, is it any different 70 years later would would you say that the the religious community you come from is essentially just as dedicated with the same devotion to israel they were back then
4: i say increasingly yes now that's not everybody of course hardly anything is everybody right. but but there is and has been for the last decade or so a growing awakening and revelation and understanding on the part of evangelical Christians and that's the majority that's right. the largest section of what we call Christianity in in America are evangelical Christians because that means we believe what we believe so strongly that we want to share it with everybody Mm -hmm. not that everybody will accept it
2: understood but
4: but israel and netanyahu who i know very well knows and has said to me several times we know evangelical christians are our best supporters in the world and when i you you i'm so glad you played some of the song exodus because when i was in israel with my wife a couple years three three years ago with mike huckabee on a tour And we went to Yad Vashem. Of course, we'd been there before, and we we did not go through it again. It's too harrowing. It's too—everybody needs to go through once, but you probably won't want to go through more than once because it's to to understand and to see in front of your eyes the bestiality that human beings are capable of is, you know, you just don't want to have to cope with it again. You recognize it. So we are waiting for the tour group to come through, and Shaya Ben Yehuda, the director of the Yad Vashem, mm-hmm. uh, came to to see me. Uh, walked up and, and this big burly fella, with tears in his eyes, he said, "You don't know what those words you wrote to uh, Exodus mean to us here."
0: I'm telling you, I, like I said at the top of this uh, conversation,
4: it's just it's just so meaningful. Uh, well, then he said to me, "You must have you must have written those words on something." Uh, in the beginning, and he said, w- w- would you be willing to let us have whatever you wrote those words on here when you're through with it, when you leave this earth? And I said, you can have it now, Shia. However, I need to let you know I wrote those words on the back of a Christmas card. <laughs> 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 and, and, he, and, he, and he said, so much the better. <laughs> because We know that that evangelical Christians, not all Christians, but the majority evangelical Christians are our strongest supporters, and so I a year later I was back there. I brought the Christmas card, on on the back of which I had written those words like I was taking dictation. In about thirty minutes, while I was listening to the Ferranti and Teicher instrumental piano record, and uh, and I, I it was framed and I handed gave it to them at Yad Vashem in a ceremony with military political people, and I've got a lot of wonderful pictures of that. Day. Unbelievable. I, and now he's put that, that card framed on the wall of the righteous Gentile at Yad Vashem. Wow. Now, to me, for a Gentile kid, you know, going back to my growing up days in Nashville, knowing that everything I believed to this moment holds sacred comes right out of Judaism, comes right out of God's dealings with his chosen people. Uh, he chose them to be examples. Of his blessings and 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 what relationship with God could be, of course the Jewish people didn't always honor that, <laughs> and, and they paid terrible prices when they forsook him. But he never forsook them, and he brought them back, and he's brought them back to the modern state. He hasn't forgiven them of forsaking them. Now, nobody's going to drive the Jews out of Israel, and Trump uh, recognizing Jerusalem. And, and placing our embassy there in Jerusalem is a very brave thing to do because, of course, he has the same opposition even more, uh, and not even the respect that Harry Truman had when he was president, but to make that statement. And when we're there on our tour that I'm hosting, it was designed specifically to, to be there on uh, May 14th of this year uh, when the, uh, when the celebration really takes place Of the 70th anniversary. And on that day, it looks like President Trump may come and be there for the dedication of the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem.
0: It's unbelievable. Just to clear things up for our listeners, the reason we're counting down 41 days is because that's on the Jewish calendar. April the 19th would be the anniversary. And as Pat Boone just mentioned, May the 14th, of course, 70 years later after the founding of the state on the secular calendar since Nineteen forty-eight. The legendary Pat Boone is with us. Two hundred people travel with him to Israel on May the 9th. On the thirteenth of May, he'll be at the Caesarea Amphitheater that we are very familiar with, built by Herod the Great. Uh, this theater will be um, will be uh, uh, will feature a performance by Pat Boone along with many celebrities, all star musicians, and the legendary Jerusalem Symphony Orchestra. And that special, uh, I, I believe, will be on PBS.
4: Correct? Am I right about that? Well, we're we're still negotiating with ah, the networks. Got th- it. Deciding. CBN is already on board the CBN network, which is big, but there are other networks that could participate. PBS is one, and and we're hoping that it will be a multi-network uh, showing because it is a magnificent and important day, and uh, and and we feel that there's a growing groundswell of support for Israel. Uh, no matter what people throw against Israel, I you know I wrote a couple of uh, columns for WorldNet Daily. Wish I'd thought to send them to you, but and maybe I, you know, I still will. Sure. But uh, one is uh, Israel, world MVP. Uh, that that in the fulfillment of the prophecies and of the promises that God made to Abraham and his descendants, that through him and his seed or descendants, all the nations of the world would be blessed. That in our day and time, all the nations of the world have been blessed through the accomplishments and the contributions of the Jewish people from this little country the size of Rhode Island <laughs> and and, and uh, that the the all the nations of the world through it, through the internet we're hoping we're inviting Bill Gates to come and and say publicly on this date that uh what he said before that the internet and all the technology flowing from all of that is owed more to Israel than to anybody else, including him. Unbelievable.
0: Pat Boone is with us. Pat, uh, I mean, uh, an illustrious career. Obviously, you know, seven, eight decades at this point that you've been around. Are there are there colleagues of yours in the music and film industry that you would say had the same type of devotion to the state of Israel? Are there one or two people you could cite for us that were on the same wavelength as you
4: yeah, when it came? To me. It, right now, because I talked to him yesterday, is John Voight. Ah, right, of course. John, John Voight, Voight right. is a staunch supporter of Israel. In fact, I I invited him yesterday to come on our tour with us, and it turns out he's going to be filming then. But certainly, Barbara Streisand, and and she's already committed to uh, to doing at least a video. If she's not there in person, she'll do a video that will be featured nice. in the special. And there, there, yes, there are so many. I think celebrities, but you know the. The pressures in uh, the entertainment industry and the media uh, that ridicule and and denigrate people who are not in step with the current trends in uh, political correctness. Uh, a lot of the folks who feel like I do are just not as outspoken. Right. But I, you know, I understand that. And however, I encourage them in, to come forward when uh, when something like this is going to happen, which I think. Most of the world, maybe not all, but at least most of the U.S., will uh, understand that, that this 70th anniversary of the State of Israel has contributed so much, continues to, to the well being of the world, even those who want to kill them. I mean, they use technologies that were developed in Israel <laughs> to come against Israel. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. I mean, it's just astounding. <laughs> I mean, medically, all kinds of other things that uh, that they continue to contribute and the ways they bless the world and uh and yet we are re- they are reviled i say we because i identify with <laughs> reviled by the world that benefit from from their contributions it's it's mind-boggling but that goes back to 4000 years when they came i just read it again today because i read through the bible every year from beginning to end on a you know a program daily basis and i'm reading now uh Moses bringing the people through the wilderness and all the regulations that were set up for them to follow because so they would be the most blessed people in the earth and they were uh that all of this historically is still true God's the same he he does not renege on his promises he's going to see through everything that he promised and so it's the one really dependable thing in the world is that God means what he says, and he will do what he promised. And so don't mess with Israel. <laughs> don't mess with Israel.
0: Amen. And I'll say one thing further which I'm sure you enjoy watching now in 2018. Essentially the prime minister of Israel is not only telling the world don't mess with Israel. He's essentially telling the world now in every speech, you better hop aboard and join Israel because you know this train's going to leave the station. Every as you said, all the technology, all the advancement, all the big ideas, they are coming from Israel and if you don't hop aboard now, you're going to miss the whole thing.
4: Yeah, you know, Mr. Netanyahu is a big fan of mine and a friend. He became a fan when he was in, at MIT, and my career was just booming along with Elvis. And he loved my song Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> so every time we're together, he says, Hey, Speedy, come on in. And, and he calls me Speedy. <laughs> and, uh, and I met with him the night before my concert two years ago in the Mann Theater in Tel Aviv. And it was the only time I had done a full concert ever in Israel. And it was sold out, and I met with him the night before. He couldn't come because of the um, of security problems, uh. but, but we met private in his office. And, again, I've got the picture of, of his beaming smile as I walk into his office. Hello, Speedy. Come on in. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Well, Pat Boone travels with over 200
0: guests to Israel on May the 9th. And on May the 13th, In the uh, amphitheater built by Herod the Great, the Kisaria Amphitheater where we have been and have enjoyed it so much, he will be with celebrity friends, all-star musicians, and the legendary Jerusalem Symphony Orchestra for one purpose, and that is to celebrate the 70th anniversary of the State of Israel. Once this this, uh, uh, broadcast continues to be picked up by different networks, we will alert you as to how to watch the 70th Anniversary of Israel concert and television special presented by Pat Boone, and, friends, Pat, all I could say is God bless you. We are really looking forward to this
4: special, and I thank you so much for can joining. I, can I interject a couple thoughts, sure. thoughts? Uh, Prime please. Min- I mean, not Prime Minister. <laughs> Rabbi Eckstein, <clears throat> Yechiel Eckstein, is a Fellowship of Christians and Jews with whom I've been involved for 30 years. He's co-hosting
2: uh.
4: Uh, the tour. So it is a combined Jewish-Christian group coming, and uh, there's going to be a lot of interaction and communication and fellowship. And uh, go to patboonisraeltour.com, find out all about it. We want, we say, come one, come all. We can still take some more with us. The deadline approaches before, after which we can't take any more. But, but uh, it's still open for some still to sign up and come. So, it's going to be a whale of a thing. I really appreciate your letting me talk about it.
0: Oh, my pleasure. And there's a chance that we'll actually be there that week. There's a chance, depending on (laughs) what the president does decide or doesn't decide, in terms of being there for the move of the embassy. So if we're there, I'm going to try my best to be in Quesaria that night. I can tell you that much. Well,
4: make sure I know.
0: Let's shake hands. I appreciate that. God bless you, Pat. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Malcolm. Here he is, Pat Boone. Amazing, huh? Absolutely amazing. That was my conversation with Pat Boone about Israel 70 and his trip coming up in the month of May. Um, April the 29th, Torah New York is taking place at City Field in Queens, New York. Under the auspices of the OU, Mysh Bain, the national president of the OU, joined me to discuss this landmark event that will feature some amazing speakers and a full day of Torah at City Field. Mysh Bain, my guest recently on JM and the Am, here he is on JM Rewind. On the Malcolm Siegel Network. Well, you may recall, uh, you may recall when Meir Bain became president, uh, national president of the OU, the Orthodox Union, uh, which is an amazing organization, and uh, are doing are doing even more amazing now under his leadership. Um, he he uh, essentially made a commitment to the community to concentrate on a couple of uh, really important areas, and one of them was uh, was Torah and major Torah events, and you may recall. That last year in 2017, the OU, with that in mind, embarked on what was an amazing Sunday at City Field. It was one that uh, played to critical acclaim, got a lot of international attention, and provided one of the most amazing rosters of speakers, Magide shior that you've ever seen in your lives. Uh, I don't even know. uh, First of all, I'm honored that I believe this is the first time the 2018 program is going to be discussed publicly. I believe this is the first time, so I'm honored um, to do that. That's number one. And I don't even know if the website, uh, which I was privy to this morning, I was, I was able to see, I don't even know if it's um, if people are being encouraged to visit it yet. We will find out when Mish Bain joins us. But essentially, the OU is presenting what they are calling Torah New York. Torah New York. And it is as vast a, an event topic as it sounds. Uh, indoors at City Field on the day of Sunday, April the 29th. Sunday, April the 29th. That is the day you want to now circle on your calendar, block out on your smartphone calendar, so that you can be there at City Field when uh, an amazing roster of speakers and Maggie DeShior are going to be taking part in a program that begins early in the morning and goes all day long. National President of the Orthodox Union, Maish Bain is with us live via telephone. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM.
5: Welcome. It's always great to speak with you.
0: You know, it's funny, but when you first came on after becoming president, and we know how important this whole area of increasing uh, Torah study and the awareness, the publicity of Torah in the national Jewish community, we know how important it is to you. And and then to see this whole thing come to fruition and what was an amazing event last year, and we're wondering. Can one top that? Can, can it get bigger and better <laughs> and more impressive? And I have seen, as I mentioned, uh, the website that has been created uh, to talk about this Torah New York event. And in fact, you've done just that. I mean, the, it is such an impressive roster of people from all around the world who are going to be providing an incredible day of Torah for the, uh, the community. And as I said to you off the air, it's almost unfair because it's impossible for someone to go to all of these Shiorim. And I think there are people in this audience, frankly, who want to hear every one of the speakers that you're offering on April the 29th. So it's a good problem to have,
5: huh? Well, it's, it's, it's wonderful, and we're so grateful that so many important people, um, both men and women, both uh, Rosh Hashiva and rabbis of synagogues and other scholars have agreed to give up their time, both those who live in the tri-state area as well as those who live in Canada and California and a number from Eretz Yisroh who are coming in to share their Torah with our community.
0: Uh, we know what the numbers were like last year. I don't know if it was a surprise to you or not when you saw the response. Uh, can we do even better this year? Do you think we'll attract even more? people coming off last year's success?
5: Well, I think there will be, and what we're doing in addition to last year's program, which is not yet on the website, is we're having a, an additional track for high school students, uh, which is going to have specialized programming and, and individualized speakers, and that will add another dimension of population and, and providing a Torah opportunity for other parts of our community.
0: And we know how important it is. We always talk about youth getting involved. Getting them involved in this project is a great idea. So April the 29th, I believe we are the first to reveal this news, I'm asking and encouraging everybody to circle the date for a City Field in Queens, New York. It's indoors, of course, and um, and everyone will be able to participate, courtesy of the OU. I I, can't, I mean, I, I really have this desire, frankly, to read through every single name on here. Do you have the patience for that? Can I do it? <laughs> I mean, do, do you mind?
5: <laughs> I, I have the patience. I hope the community does. Yeah, so
0: do I. But I, I got to go through this list. It is so impressive, and I'll try to do it quickly. But Rabbi Yosef Adler, you, Mr. Mysh Bain, Rabbi Dr. Ari Bergman, Rabbi Eliezer Breidowitz, Rabbi Moshe Elephant, Mr. Alan Fagan, Rabbi Menachem Ganak, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, Mr. Charlie Harari, Rabbi Moshe Hauer, Mrs. Michal Horowitz, Rabbi Yitzchak Israeli, Rabbi Dr. Schneer Lyman, Senator Joseph Lieberman, Rabbi Eli Mansour, Mrs. Sivan Rahav Meir, what an impressive get that is from Israel, Rabbi Judah Michelle, Rabbi Lazar Muskin, Rabbi Yaakov Neuberger, Rabbi Z. lori Palatnik, Rav Yosef Tzvi Rimon, Rabbi, Rabbi Hershel Schachter, Mrs. Atara Siegel, Robertson Dr. Adina Schmidman, Rabbi Doctor Avraham Steinberg, Rabbi Steven Weil, Mrs. Esther Wein, Rabbi Moshe Weinberger, Rabbi Doctor Tzvi Hirsch Wein, and Rabbi Mordechai Willig. That is one impressive lineup, to say the least. Now, I know there's always themes, and 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 you specifically, and people around you always want to try to concentrate on a couple of themes uh, each and every time you do an event like this. Is there one major theme this time? Are there multiple ones? How's it going to work?
5: Well, there are, there are a number of tracks. The w- the way the shiurim are set up is that there are different tracks. We're having two very focused tracks. We're having one track um, to celebrate the seventh anniversary of Yom and wow. there are a number of speakers coming in from Israel, as you noted in reciting the list, right. who are going to be speaking about topics that specifically relate to Israel. And there's also going to be a special afternoon track uh, to commemorate the 25. 25- 25th Yurtzeit, the Rove, the, Rav Yosheber the, Soloveich um, which is also an item that we thought, thought was incredibly important to commemorate and recognize.
0: Phenomenal. In addition to that, I have been told that you're going to have an opportunity, you meaning the collective you, will have an opportunity to address some very timely topics. One of them, Jewish politics, moral concerns versus national interests, obviously that is something that's been in the news for quite a while. So, some might say forever. Uh, addictions in today's world, halachic and hashkafic perspectives, quality of life as a consideration, halachic determination at the end of life, such an important topic. The Me Too movement through the prism of Megillat Esther that we just read, perfecting or transcending humanity, a debate in Jewish thought, liberty and justice between Pesach and Shavuos, which of course is the period of time that the events going to be taking place. And the convergence of Sephardi and Ashkenazi traditions in contemporary Israel—so many. It's amazing to me how many of these things are topics that have been discussed at Shabbos and Yontif tables recently. Just the Sephardi Ashkenazi tradition—it's something that came up recently in my own life, where people were were you know trying to balance and juggle what happens as these families, these true traditions, continue to merge, continue to get together. So I think you have chosen an amazing list that really reflects what's happening in jury in 2018.
5: And what's really exciting is that all the topics that you mentioned are going to be addressed. By individuals in our community who are really leading experts in the field. For example, Rabbi Weinreb will be addressing the um, halachic and hashkafic implications of addiction, which is obviously an incredibly important issue uh, that faces our community and society at large. Uh, Rabbi Avram Steinberg, who's the the head of uh, Talmudic Encyclopedia of Talmudic, who's been very involved in the medical arena for decades, is going to be addressing quality of life as a factor in end of life issues, and the light goes on and on. Rabbi Mansour is going to be Addressing the tension between Sephardi and Ashkenazi Minhagim that come up in the same community or the same family, so you, you, it, what's exciting to us is that the individuals who are the leaders in the respective areas of Torah are agreeing to participate and share with us their insights and, and wisdom.
0: No question about it, and of course, in so many, uh, in so many uh, modern day. Up to the minute topic, so to speak, in Yanni Dioma, as we say. Uh, Mike Spain is with us, national president, Orthodox Union. The event has been announced. It's April the 29th. It's called Torah New York. It happens indoors at City Field. Uh, we will, of course, encourage people to register uh, to make sure to be there. He, he announced, uh, uh, you announced what I feel is one of the most important things, which I was not aware of before this conversation, and that is that you're inviting high school age children, uh, high school age students, I should say, uh, to participate in what will be a formal separate track, not just to come and open it up to them, but you're literally catering to them with a formal separate track to try to encourage all this and it brings me back again to what i said earlier in this conversation uh you've always felt and you've made it publicly known that the more we can increase awareness of torah and torah study in our community in all ages in all age groups the better off we are could you expound on that for a moment could you just tell us from your perspective why torah is such an important and and even if it's just a slight increase for everybody in our community why it is such an important element in the growth of our community
5: Well, as you just mentioned, with regard to the high school track, NCSY... Which is the Orthodox Union's uh, high school age program, which is probably one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, Orthodox high school program in the world at this point, increasingly focuses its students, both in the public schools as well as Yeshiva students, on Torah study, because there is a obvious and very apparent to anybody involved direct correlation between the degree of commitment and appreciation and benefit that Jews get out of Judaism when they learn Torah yeah. and when they understand what they're doing and the meaning behind the observances that we all engage in, and understanding the depth of God's Torah just changes our entire spiritual experience. So it's true for adults, it's true for younger people, and the more we do it together and recognize that as a community together, which is what this event is intended to convey, the more we collectively grow as Jews and as spiritual beings.
0: And mice as the world continues to try to convince us that Torah is not for 2018 it's antiquated it's old-fashioned it doesn't apply to all these modern twists in society uh, I think these sessions and these people that you've put together are going to prove to young and old just the opposite that it is as current as ever
5: no that's certainly the case Look, Torah study has many, many benefits. It teaches us how to observe, it teaches us the meaning, but it's also important for us to find the part of Torah that speaks to us, that engages us, because Torah is not a once-in-a-year event that you, you, you get together. It's something that you're supposed to get together and then bring home and learn on an ongoing basis. So every one of the speakers that we're sharing with the community are examples of approaches to Torah study that people could taste and learn to appreciate what areas speak to them. Many, many of the speakers that we invite have tape libraries and video libraries, that if a person finds them interesting and engaging, right. they could go home and continue to study with them thereafter. Good
0: point. All right, And I see the New York Mets are cooperating. During the baseball season, <laughs> they're letting you have access to Citi Field, which is pretty cool, huh?
5: Yes, yes. They, they, look, we, we appreciated last year that we had it in the winter. Right. We gambled that there was not going to be a snowstorm in Baruch Hashem there wasn't. I think we became a little more cautious as we went along in light of the fact that we saw there was such great anticipation and eagerness. We also thought that it was a very appropriate part of the year between Pesach and Shavuos as we lead up to Kabbalah Satorah on Shavuos, which is a period designated for growth in Torah, to host the event during that period.
0: Now this whole thing is amazing. I love it. I love it. I'm enthusiastic and excited about it. I think the list of speakers is absolutely incredible. Uh, Can I announce the web address? Is this live for the general public?
5: Well, they can certainly find it, the link through OU.org. Okay, good. Which is, and then as we go along and have more specific particularity in the topics and, and the timing of the different shoe then we'll have a, a more designated website for people to go to with those details. All right. But so. we, we do encourage in, in, in registration because we do have a limit of capacity. Although we have a large area, there is still a limitation. And the earlier people register, the cheaper it's going to be and the more assured they'll have of their opportunity to participate. And
0: if they go to OU.org today, can can they actually register today? Yes, they'll okay, be able great. to
5: find it through the link.
0: All right, very good, everybody. So go to OU.org, OU.org, register for April the 29th. Make sure to have your place at City Field indoors when the Orthodox Union presents Torah, New York, with the most amazing list of speakers, and some great topics, and most likely, I would bet, a mu- even even larger crowd, believe it or not, than the last time they did this. Uh, My Spain, I take this opportunity. I, it's funny. I, I, when, when I say this, it makes people nervous, but I don't know if we'll speak between now and then. I wish you a Chag Kosher Sameach and a, a wonderful Pesach, and Kol What you've done with this and with so many other things is noteworthy in our community and much appreciated.
5: Okay, always a pleasure, Malcolm.
0: Appreciate that. Maish Bain is the national president of the Orthodox Union. Um, they have had an unbelievable knack of heralding Torah um, through these events over the last couple of years, and this one looks spectacular. Go to the website, ou.org, register, and get ready for April 29th. It's going to be a significant Torah event in the Jewish world. That was my conversation with Maish Bain, national president of of the OU. I thank you very much for listening in to JM Rewind. More coming up if you keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
6: Hey my
2: i a lecho, i a
3: Sigoi, Kiri beis rae nu, Kiri beis rae nu, Vela luvas nefes toi shia, toi shia, Pimeirovi ome raheim al sigoi, raheim beis rae. Vász nefes, tvoj sírjá, mi Yeah you know Kingy base fire nefesh to <SILENCIO> to